Before we get started, this episode of the Food Grower Podcast is sponsored by Natural Grower. Natural Grower's award-winning liquid fertilizer, plant feed, and soil conditioner is made entirely from maize. It's naturally rich in nitrogen, potash, phosphate, and other trace elements that plants and vegetables love. And it's approved by the Soil Association, Vegan Society, and Biodynamic Association. The concentrated natural fertilizer can be poured around the base of plants, whilst the plant feed and soil conditioner can be mixed into the soil or used as a mulch on the surface as a long-term, slow-release fertilizer on all outdoor and indoor plants. Both Jack and I have been using the natural grower products this year and have seen amazing results, and we have a fantastic 15% off the entire natural grower range for you. Simply go to naturalgrower.co.uk and enter foodgrower15 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by Direct Plants Limited, and specifically their amazing range of polytunnels. We use these strong and affordable tunnels on both Jack's Patch and Fanfield Farm, and we love them. Direct Plants manufacture the tunnels themselves so that you can buy your polytunnel direct from the manufacturer, and not just any manufacturer, but from growers too, so that they really understand what you need. These traditional high-quality polytunnels are available in a range of sizes to fit your growing needs, and they're manufactured here in the UK in Norfolk. We're delighted to bring you a brilliant 10% off the entire range at directplants.co.uk. Simply head over there and use the code FOODGROWER at checkout. That's FOODGROWER, all one word, no spaces, at directplants.co.uk. Welcome to the Food Grower Podcast, the podcast that tells the story, highlights the techniques and talks tactics with food growers from all around the world. From market gardeners to allotment holders, field farmers to urban farmers. We hope that this podcast will inspire you to either start growing your own food or to help develop your existing food growing empire. I'm Chris from Fanfield Farm. I'm Jack from Jack's Patch. And I'm Andy from Urban Herbs. I've got a really, really cool guest with me today. And I mean, actually, really, really cool guest. Somebody whose Instagram account I have been absolutely stalking for the last three or four years. Um, I'm talking to Michael Perry, plant geek. Michael, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? Thank you for the stalking. I really appreciate you, really appreciate you being there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's it's fully dedicated. And uh, <laughs> do you know what? I just absolutely love your account. If anybody has not checked out um, Michael's account, please do so because it's just this place of joy. And what, what caught my eye was you describe yourself as a hawtrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, first up, talking about social media, like I don't know, a lot of people don't realise kind of social media, I don't really, how to put this in the right way, but I, I don't do it for the likes or the follows or kind of like building in that way. But my social media, especially Instagram, is really a portfolio of my work. So I use it as a visual CV and it's very much a, a shop window. So any brands that then come across me, they can see immediately the, the range of different projects that I get involved in and kind of where I'm, you know, where I'm present, kind of what I could potentially do for them as well. So I guess then when somebody comes to comes across me, then there's quite a nice kind of visual kind of portfolio to kind of have a little bit of a browse through as well so thank you very much for that browser <laughs> but um so you asked kind of um more kind of hotpreneur so yeah from a young age i was always selling plants with my grandparents and i'd always loved plants but i'd always quite liked making money as well so that kind of then is the the perfect combo and something that really helps us to elevate horticulture as an industry as well which is very important and needs to be done more and more I think that's really important, actually, the importance of being honest about that and saying, actually, there's nothing wrong with making money. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes we're, 
in the UK, I don't think, you know, I spend a lot of time in, in the Netherlands and they obviously see horticulture very much. They're, they're quite honest about it being an industry. It's a very big industry, a lot more visible as well. You know, obviously tulips from Amsterdam, flowers, cut flowers, big nurseries, really, really visible. But in the UK, it's kind of often hidden in the shadows and we're kind of yep. almost have this guilt about making money from plants. And it's, and it's really silly and I'm not, I don't really kind of uh, subscribe to that. And hopefully I then set the example that kind of proves that no, we don't have to worry about making money from plants. And there's markup on plants because there's value in there from people's skill, you know, the growing skills. Also for influencers like myself and other ones out there, you know, it's perfectly plausible. We might be paid to sell products to people as well, but we will do it in a way that is not only sensitive to our audience, but kind of brings the audience along, offers them something extra as well, and kind of isn't kind of like some kind of hard sell. So we kind of add something to it. And and I guess at the end of the day, we're adding creative energy to it, which is kind of what we're all about, being horticulturalists, as it were, anyway. So Absolutely. I think it's so good to actually hear somebody say that out loud, which I hadn't yeah. maybe realised just how therapeutic yeah. it is to actually hear that. Um, oh, but like, obviously... You know, we're, we're all here to earn money. We're not all here to kind of make endless pots of money. That's not really the aim for, for many of us at least, but kind of at the very least, we, we need to earn a living. And, you know, if we have got an Instagram account that is based around horticulture or a company that is selling plants, then we need to be, you know, just uh, honest about that, you know, and somehow because a plant is a living product, it always is seen as a much less which I can never quite get my head around, especially when the importance of plants and how they're important around us and kind of for our, you know, health and everything. But it's very, yeah, it's a funny thing, but hopefully the kind of attitude is changing over the years as well. Because, you know, if I think back to when I was young, you know, plants certainly weren't important at all. And then we got a lot more eyes on plants, their importance for, for growing, well-being, diet as well. So for those people who haven't been stalking your social media, what would you say are the key responsibilities of a entrepreneur? Oh, uh, first of all, like we said, being honest about the fact that you, uh, horticulture is an industry. It's an industry that brings, you know, millions, billions of money into the UK every year. It's one that should be more visible, but perhaps that visibility is actually, actually down to the government, of course, but also down to people like us. Yeah. One's kind of we're the the movers and shakers, dare I put it? <laughs> it sounds really cheesy when you say that out loud. I like but, the sound of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so kind of yeah, I'd say from that level, it's kind of being a hortpreneur is yeah, making money from plants, being honest about making money from plants, but most of all, sharing the love of plants and recruiting people into our industry, wherever that is, to start a career and make money from plants and share the love themselves for that knock-on effect or to start it as a hobby or to benefit someone's well-being here or there so yeah and that kind of for me that extends in so many different directions like a kind of big big octopus i guess with content creation you're on obviously tv work i've just uh, released a book as well and kind of getting involved with companies on almost a consultancy basis as well because you know we also something we're ashamed of as well sometimes is our, our knowledge is valuable as well and why shouldn't we monetize that to some degree as well so again something that we shouldn't be so ashamed of i think this is a not just something about horticulture but just kind of about uh knowledge as a whole kind of in in a uk attitude yep. it's kind of like yes yeah, um can't keep giving advice for free all the time because this is something we built a career around and something that we've worked hard to get to the level of as well so yeah and you know, we, we can be compassionate, but there, there is a fine line, you know? Absolutely. And you know something, we, we've we talked 
before recording this podcast on social media for quite some time, but we always start the process of trying to get to know one of our guests by asking, you know, where did that connection begin with growing? And you've already said that it kind of started, you know, you're growing her plants with your grandparents. Mm. Mm. It, it's so interesting, isn't it? There's so many people that come on this podcast. It's grandparents. It's kind of almost skipped a generation. But I think, um, I think I know why that is. And I think whatever your grandparents were interested in is what you will be interested in. Because when you're a kid, obviously, uh, many parents are working or kind of busy. And it's kind of almost, uh, it's you're not just dumped at your grandparents, but it's kind of joyful to spend time with your grandparents. Because there's also that more of a distant connection as well. You know, it's much easier to kind of talk to your grandparents, kind of almost like uh, behave the way you want to with them rather than your parents, because they're not so in your lives all the time. So yeah, and for me, it was obviously plants and horticulture. So from that young age, uh, my grandparents, I guess they set me a good example because they were already selling plants at the local market, the WI market. So they were kind of, you know, earning from that sale of plants. So they were, you know, making their passion into something that was earning them pennies at the same time as well. So great example to be set. And I don't remember actually ever truly having any official pocket money because I was, <laughs> I was earning my own money from when, I don't know, from when I was like 11, 12 years old, probably. Yeah, I probably had pocket money up until that stage. But then certainly in my teenage years, I, me I remember buying my first pack of bulbs from the back uh, catalogue. It was Tulip Tarder, the little yellow ones, like a fried egg. And I remember saving up the money to buy those because there were some bulbs I really wanted to grow. And so I was always earning my own money and had this little profit and loss kind of like exercise book with everything written down very neatly as well. And I really enjoyed it as much as as much as growing the plants and sharing the love as well. And I think I think it gave me an early responsibility, not just for respecting horticulture and industry, but also learning how to handle money a little bit as well. So but. I think I got that from my grandparents. It wasn't like we were taught how to handle money at school necessarily, because you don't get taught that, do you? You don't no. you don't get taught how to start a mortgage, how to kind of like how to live your life. You never get taught that at school, which is probably what we could do with sometimes. <laughs> Definitely. And yeah. you you said that actually, I mean, obviously my ears went back because you mentioned herbs. You focused on the herbs at that early age, right? Yeah. Well, it was really my grandparents growing all sorts of different plants. So at the WI markets, we were selling those. Um, I went through a stage of baking lavender biscuits for the WI market as well. Nice. But I guess I was always kind of fascinated with different foods as well when I was young. And and I remember being a very early adopter of things like oat milk and rice milk because I used yeah. to toddle off to Holland and Barrett and buy these unique foods because I don't know, kind of in those days growing up, and I think we we're probably a similar age, it was a very kind of, um, well, for me at least, quite a two-dimensional diet and a lot of like, you know, maybe fish fingers, beans and chips. Yep. And I was always looking for something extra outside of that. So I would often go to the health store and, and buy a lot of these things that are now mainstream. So I guess I was then recognizing plants that could be used. I then wanted to grow things that I can maybe then use myself, start doing different concoctions and of course herbs really fit the bill as well i found the range fascinating you know like like you now like you know mint the mint family all the different times i think all the different flavors was just very exciting as well that yeah. this could all come back to plants because when you look at mint as a family it's almost like a kind of like a sweet box of plants isn't it all these different flavors and fragrances is just really fascinating you know to me at 43 but also to me at 13 you know 
Well, I've got a bit of paper here, so I'm going to start doing some market research, right? Which was yeah. your best selling herb plant? Can you oh remember? Oh, my God. I really, uh, I have to look back on the papers, but like, <laughs> please don't be too impressed. I had a, it was called Springfield Herb Nursery. I bought my own photocopier just so I could print the catalogs. I was probably the only 13 year old with a photocopier in their wardrobe in their bedroom, which That's was epic. Like, weird to say the least. Um, but I think I probably never covered the cost of the photocopier, but because I only had about 10 orders in the lifetime of the company, but it would be quite cool now to actually um, trace back anyone that placed those orders <laughs> from Springfield Herb Nursery. I've still got the catalog somewhere and it was all alphabetical. It was all laid out and I kind of had the uh, almost like the stock beds and all the plants were laid out alphabetically as well in the at the bottom of the garden. It was, it was really fun and it kind of gave me that kind of, early business awareness which was really really cool and yeah i wonder actually if um if gardeners world still have a copy of the advert because it, i was just placing the adverts in the in the back of gardeners world magazine so yeah I, I, it's really weird because i was talking about this uh, uh presentation i did last night and i was i was such a shy teenager but i wasn't afraid to push myself out there with kind of uh, activities like business activities or kind of like writing letters to places or this and that. And I don't know where I got that from, but I really, I really thank that now because even though I'm more confident and I can do something face to face now, I've still got that kind of ability to just, just ask and see what happens. And you might get 99 no's, but for that, you'll get one yes that is worth it. And you just, yeah, you just crack on and yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> and I think the other thing that really comes out of this is the fact that like, yeah, you know, you love growing the plants. You love the plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You loved it back then. You love them now. Mm. But there's also like that evangelical aspect to it that you kind of want to share the joy. And Oh, totally. Yeah. It, it's almost like, you know, you would have seen that when you were selling herbs from your startup herb company with the photocopier in the cupboard. But you would have seen the effect those herbs had on people. Oh, definitely. And also, you know, from an early stage, you know, with my grandma, like sharing plants with each other, kind of that, you know, that helped us bond in a way that perhaps you didn't have with other kind of, you know, grandmother, grandson relationships as well. And of course, yeah, with the people that then bought the herbs, obviously then, you know, people that, well, I don't know if I swapped them with many real life people, because of course, in those days, I was a plant geek that was, you know, not popular at schools. So kind of keeping all of this kind of plant knowledge and enthusiasm secret from my school friends. So kind of, I guess my kind of outlet was the probably the local WI market and kind of then maybe swapping and trading plants there as well as selling. But that is why, you know, when you wind it forward about 30 years, this is why social media for me, I can see it as, you know, it's a curse in many ways, of course, we're not going to deny that, but it's a blessing in so many more ways because it has helped people connect in ways that has made them feel alive. And if my 13 year old self had had Instagram, I would not have been so disconnected, so lonely, kind of so miserable. I only had the plants as this refuge, but if I'd had social media back then, I'd have had, you know, a world of friends as well. So it really, there's a great benefit that social media has added to that whole mix over the years as well. I think the people that grow the plants are as important as the plants themselves, mm. right? Oh, definitely, definitely. So what did I, I remember buying from um, some like specialist herb nurseries. I wonder if they're still around. There was. There was one called Arn Herbs, A-R-N-E. No, you would probably know. I've never them, come no? across them. Yeah, and Kilmarnock, which I believe was in Scotland. I think I've heard of them. 
Yeah, I think that one, I think that might have faded away a few years ago now. But mm -hmm. yeah, so obviously I was then, I didn't know them personally, but obviously they were, I was looking up to them as kind of great herb rangers. I loved what they did, kind of the way they then wrote about the herbs. I remember uh, being very fond of Chilton's seed catalogue because there was yeah. things that then grow from seed and they always had something really different, unique and kind of thrilling as well. So yeah, it was, it was fab. <laughs> I think it's it's such a recurring theme on this podcast that mm -hmm. there is all there has been such a seismic change, and you mentioned about social media. Mm. I think that there has been a bit of a revolution. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm you, sorry, God. <laughs> you were talking about you know almost hiding it from yeah, your yeah, friends. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. I think I stood up and said this last night at the presentation I did um, at the Hoxton in Suffolk, and I said, you know, my thirteen-year-old self like looks at society now and how we appreciate plants. And I am a whole cocktail of excited, stimulated, pleased, but also kind of annoyed because it's like, I told you so. I told you plants were cool all those years ago when I had to hide it away because, you know, you would have been labeled kind of like, I don't know, a sissy or a pansy. It wasn't, it wasn't a really cool thing. And I'm very sure that still happens in some circles these days. I'm not saying everything is, you know, A-OK -okay out there, but definitely horticulture has been going through a golden age. And this is probably over the last five or six years. I think a lot of people get caught up and think it was the pandemic that started it, but it kind of started a bit before then, as you had that kind of social media revolution, you probably saw that yourself because I mean, Instagram for all this kind of foibles, it really opened it up because, you know, a visual platform, plants are the most visual of all products that we have. and those communities kind of built up there in the pandemic, obviously just kind of then amplified that, which was obviously then fab and really pushed it into mainstream because it was bubbling up in mainstream just before then, because you started to see cacti succulents in like urban outfitters and kind of mainstream stores, because I remember kind of almost like, you know, mentally logging that kind of in like 2018 onwards, but really it's kind of kicked in now and it's, and uh, yeah, plants are everywhere, everything. <laughs> I think that's so true that actually we make the mistake of blurring history a little bit and thinking that this was a yeah. pandemic revolution. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I just need to think a little bit beyond that and you kind of, then you're there. Yeah. And obviously so many amazing sort of social media, Instagram accounts grew up around that time. Mm -hmm. um, so many podcasts. So I'm going to do a seamless segue now into, because I've been listening to your podcast. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I, for some reason, I managed to get unsubscribed to it. Oh, and like I then realised it was brilliant because I realised I had about eight or nine episodes that I hadn't oh, listened to. So I've literally just binged on them. Can yeah, you, oh, cool. For those people, of course, when you finish listening to this podcast um, and you want more plant-based content, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Because Yeah, definitely. So it's the Plant-Based Podcast. I present that with my friend and co-star Ellen Mary, not Mary Ellen. Never it's get that very important. Around. We'd be in big trouble. <laughs> And so we're really talking about plants from every different angle. So this could be people that grow plants, people that are obsessed with plants, people that eat plants, people that drink plants, people that grow plants as well and wear plants. You know, there are so many different ways you can look at plants. So sometimes when, when you approach the plant-based podcast, it sounds like it's about vegan diets, but it's not, it's so much more than that. And Ellen's vegan, I'm not, which gives you nice different viewpoints as well. Um, I'm obviously kind of a bit more kind of product development over the years as well. Kind of Ellen loves to kind of get involved in kind of industry stuff as well going forward. So yeah, lots of really nice balance there. And again, like with a lot of my work that, that you will have seen over the years, it's kind of 
it's got the information is all there so you've got you know good sound knowledge you've got correct information but it is not delivered in a kind of stuffy kind of smug way it's is delivered in a kind of very unserious manner that kind of makes you feel comfortable i would hope and we kind of we have a laugh and like when we do interviews with people we kind of like you know we were i, I think we pride ourselves that we put people really at ease and we did an interview recently with the uh, the illustrator from Q and the PR lady said to us afterwards, oh, she's usually like really doesn't like the interviews when they come out and she's like nervous, doesn't want to hear it. But she said she really loved the kind of way that we kind of handled it because I think you can really get the message across without um, doing a sermon. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. 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 And I think the message across so much better that way as well because you're just, just little bubbles here and there. And, and also you cannot assume that everyone is going to take in all the information you want them to or assume that they will as well you just have to bubble in lots of different directions and that is that's that's the best you can do you know and well not even the best you can do that sounds negative but that is just a nice way to be because well, i'm not here to pressure anyone into doing anything or liking anything or and i'm not competitive with my knowledge or or even in in being who i am as well you know i would recommend other people for work you know as well as myself so yeah i don't know it's nice to be nice you know people forget yeah. that <laughs> we are absolutely delighted to tell you that the food grower podcast team have now launched the brilliant food grower academy we genuinely believe that growing your own food just got easier food grower academy is a complete set of resources for food growers of any size from those that want to grow for them and their family for local allotments or communities looking to feed themselves to food growing businesses or small farms that want to feed the local area. It is a membership that provides in-depth, practical training and resources on all aspects of food growing, plus the community support you need to achieve your food growing goals. Have a look at what the membership includes, find out whether it's for you and join us over at academy.foodgrower.co.uk. That's academy.foodgrower.co.uk. We are delighted to have partnered on the Food Grower Podcast with React Tools. React Tools are the number one place for market gardening and growers tools in the UK. We have seen tools like the Jang Cedar, Paperpot Transplanter and the Iconoclast Tilter across the world and been envious of growers with access to them. Well now you can get your hands on all of these and much more. All shipped free from the UK on any order over £100. Make your food growing easier and more efficient with the best market gardening tools on the market. Plus, with the partnership with us, the Food Grower Academy, we're now giving 5% of all purchases back as tools to new community or not-for-profit growing projects. Head over now to reagtools.co.uk. That's reagtools.co.uk. I think, honestly, having listened to your podcast, I'm so happy that you said that because that is You've just summed up what I would want to communicate to somebody else yeah. recommending that podcast. Oh, have, you, thank you. have you heard the Michelle Obama quote, you know, about making people feel welcome at the table? That, uh, uh, yeah, but give it to me again. So she was <laughs> essentially saying that we kind of like, we all send out signals without realizing it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Maybe, you know, not in an unfriendly way, but we send out subtle signals. Oh, so, um, for example, when I refer, casually refer to something as a biennial, mm-hmm. I'm instantly putting a barrier in there. I'm kind of going, what? You yeah, don't know what that yeah, is. Yeah, 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 definitely. Whereas I can say from my own kind of experience that um, something like Black Current Sage, mm-hmm. sure, the, the Latin name, it's it's great to know it. And yeah, I can't yeah. say it, but it's nice to know it. And 
but it smells of blackcurrant. You put it in cocktails, and how cool is that, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. And there's a time and a place for the Latin name. And we know, we know where the Latin name is useful, of course, when we're communicating and we need that kind of uh, solid language, you know, between us, like maybe someone in a different country calls it cassis plant or something like that. You know, that's when it's useful. But in terms of like, it doesn't prove anything to anyone's knowledge or appreciation or love of that plant to know the Latin name or not. And I kind of hate those kind of barriers and also where everyone's you know, judging how if someone's doing something in a different way or this way, but maybe there are different ways to do stuff as well. And, and yeah, you know, we've got, you know, I see the RHS and the BBC gun as well. So it's kind of like almost the Bible of how to do things, but it doesn't mean there's not another way outside of that as well. And it doesn't mean that that knowledge doesn't evolve and change as well. But even if someone does get something wrong, why the heck do we need to be so judgy as well? You know, I think I, there needs to be a lot of chill around that sort of stuff. And these are all things that we put up as invisible barriers as well. And, yeah. and I think sometimes as horticulturalists, I don't know, I, I have some theories. I think because, because it's kind of a, an industry that isn't respected as much, we kind of maybe feel like we have to claw and fight to keep it noticed, etc. So we're then a lot more kind of sh chivalrous. I don't know if that's the right word, but see where I'm going. Uh, <laughs> we're kind of like a lot more kind of proud and kind of hold on to that knowledge. And we kind of get quite uh kind of territorial so yeah of course if you're not going to use biennial then of course you're not qualified to talk about horticulture but actually we we need to soften those edges and you're going to recruit people in a number of different ways and there was there was a a bit of a rant on social media recently um i think it was on linkedin someone was saying that all of this kind of phrase like plant daddy plant mama is kind of like cheapening horticulture but then what is the definition of cheapening? Because kind of like you've got to make things accessible in a number of different ways. And some of those might look cheap to you, but like, how are you ever going to access those other people? And also like, how do you judge? Like, it's just, it's just making horticulture open and welcome at all times as well. Like we're almost like we need to recruit more, almost like we need a certain intake of new people interested in plants each year, which is also a kind of really unrealistic way of looking at stuff. Why not just be open and kind of like, you know, open to anyone at any time as well so yeah i don't know that's my amalgamation of thoughts for you on that <laughs> i think that's so interesting it just totally mirrors my own experience over the yeah. last kind of 10 years that you know when we used to do i mean some weekends we used to trade at like an rhs flower show mm. and then on the same weekend we would trade at a food festival mm, mm. and you'd have completely different crowds but the yeah, yeah, enthusiasm yeah. would be the same yeah definitely definitely no, I love I that. Say, uh, I did a talk last night at the Hoxton in Suffolk, which was a weird and wacky plant show. It's like primarily PowerPoint, PowerPoint presentation with like some samples and demos, like things to try. I did it in Holocar last week for families. So, of course, the presentation was suitable for the adults, but what I spoke was kind of like for the kids. So it was delivered in a really different way. So, of course, there are different ways to communicate with different audiences, and there isn't a one size fits all model either and it's really and it was quite a joy the way that these communicate uh, these kids communicated was so kind of they didn't have any worries or judgment about how you would be about that and they didn't need to understand the latin name or this or that they just were excited to see the plant that you know looked like a big bum or kind of the venus flytrap and counting the you know the number of times until it closes and it was just yeah just that lovely innocence and yeah we take things too seriously a lot of the time you know yeah i totally agree and honestly mm. that's what comes across so much through social media that people mm. it's like raw enthusiasm yeah 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 definitely and who are we to kind of 
you know, judge that or kind of curtail someone as well or to correct someone. I think, you know, different people have different understandings of stuff, you know, sometimes. So kind of we need to just be a little bit sensitive about that sometimes, you know. And I think, you know, of all about recent guests, you're quite uniquely placed really to talk on this because of your kind of experience, like with the wider, like, would you say like production industry of horticulture? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd say, yeah, that's quite a nice point, actually, because I am quite uniquely placed in that I've had a long career in the industry, being at Thompson & Morgan, mail order plant company. I was looking for new plants, quite, quite connected in right across Europe in terms of new breeds that are coming through. And you don't see a lot of that represented in the garden media. And certainly, you know, like Gunners World, like you don't often see newer varieties or even what's coming through in the background. And that is kind of, it's very interesting. And, you know, some of the kind of purists might be, oh no, why do we need to breed new plants? But there are many great reasons, you know, not only to make them better garden plants, but maybe even, heaven forbid, better for pollinators. This can happen as well in being longer flowering, more disease resistant, or perhaps more efficient in their production as well because of course people are still going to want to buy plants and fill their gardens yeah of course we're we're shifting a little bit to plants that are a bit more kind of a uh, uh wildlife friendly and acceptable but of course you know this is an ever-moving market and we need to kind of see what is coming down the line and i guess i've always been a bit of a conduit between the industry and the consumer a little bit as well so i'm on a trip to holland next week and so i'll be showing the consumer what is happening kind of behind the scenes a little bit and it's and it's, I love it. It's stimulating for me. And where I can add my kind of two penneth, then I, I definitely do that. <laughs> and I think that's probably why, actually, in all seriousness, that's why I quite like looking at your social media, because it, for me, it's fascinating to see that link. Yeah. Um, a lot of our listeners, a lot of the members within Food Grower Academy are people who are either currently making the jump from being like, you know, somebody that thinks this stuff is really cool. Mm-hmm. towards actually turning this into a, a business, something mm-hmm. financially viable. And I think it's quite interesting that we've just completely, we haven't planned this out, but we've kind of ended up talking about, you know, like perhaps the barriers between yeah. of the industry and actually sort of making that next step. Mm. If you was talking to somebody directly right now and you were saying, you know, giving them some advice of starting out in the industry as it stands right now in 2022, mm-hmm. Production horticulture, maybe, or indeed, I suppose, just a horticulture business in general. What what yeah, yeah. advice would you give? Gosh, um, no pressure. <laughs> uh, well, there's a few things really, and they're actually they're deliciously basic things, but they are also things that people drop the ball on a lot. So, first of all, be nice, do a good job. Yeah, what you'll say you'll do when you say you're going to do it. You know, I'm I'm booked to do a podcast with you at one p.m. today. So I was here at 1 p.m. today. You know, some people might be 10 minutes late or some people might be, oh, I got the wrong date. To me, I'm really hardline. There is absolutely no excuse because it's professional. This is business life. You're running your business life. You have that reminder on your phone. You're going to turn up for that meeting. Do you know what I mean? And the minute you've done it once, the minute you've been late once or you've got the wrong day once, you will think that you can get away with it again and again. So that is something you should never let yourself into. You can tell that I'm very venomous about anybody that is late. You no, I'm with you. Steam coming from my ass. <laughs> I'll, I'll be so, honest. I got deeply, deeply happy when you signed in two minutes before one o'clock. That's perfect. But on a basic level, this is a good impression, which is going to be good for you in business. But it's also basic respect. Like your life is not waiting on me. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. why would I inconvenience you just because of something that I'm up to? So that is one thing. 
So to go in and do do a good job and do it to the best of your abilities, but also don't be afraid to push yourself as well. And I had mm. a great boss at Thompson & Morgan and he always, the number of times in my early years, I would have gone to him and he's like, oh, go and do this or go and direct. Uh, we used to do video catalogs and he would push me off to go and do directing of those uh, programs. I was like, oh, I really can't do it. And he's like, you can, of course you can. And he was almost like quite kind of like, almost like a, a blend of kind of being dismissive, but also supportive. But it was a good balance <laughs> because I, I could do it. And why the hell can't I do it? And and when RHS car, Hollow Car rang me a couple of months ago, they're like, can you come and do Weird and Wacky Plant Show to families? And I was like, oh, I never done that before. I easily could have been like, oh, I never done that before. I'd probably rather not. No, but I was like, oh, I never done that before, but I would really like to try. And I did. And I went and I challenged myself and I did it. And sometimes the euphoria of knowing you were scared and you did it anyway and it turned out all right, that is really pretty addictive, that euphoria. So I would say push yourself. Also, um, again, say yes to a lot of stuff, but don't be afraid when someone says no. Just move on really quickly. So a one way around this, I would say, is keep keep yourself very full of opportunities. Keep yourself really well connected. Kind of always be really polite. Kind of like don't discount anyone because you never know who you're going to work with in the future sometimes. And especially with our industry and TV, for example, it's quite a small industry. So just don't don't be bad to anyone because it will catch up with you. It really will. So kind of make sure you're well connected. Make sure you've always got lots of kind of things that that are happening as well, because then when you do get the kind of rejections, you don't notice because you've got something else happening at the same time. So again, I would say keep saying yes. Don't recognize when you get no and just keep moving forward and evolving. And also handle yourself as professionally as you can on social media, because like I said, right at the beginning of the interview, that is my portfolio. That is my shop window. We've got really short attention spans these days. If someone is searching online for a TV presenter, garden presenter, and they land on me, I want them to see straight away that this is what I can do. I don't want them to wonder or have to email me to ask or kind of be like, oh, I don't know about this. You've got to have that nice, you know, shot. Exactly. It is a shop window. It really is. And I don't even have a written CV anymore because it is that that kind of window of kind of opportunity and that, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of different advice, but I hope that works. <laughs> no, and I think it all sort of ties together, really. And one of the things that we probably talk about too much on this podcast is the idea of positive energy, which yeah. it sounds a bit ambiguous and yeah. holistic, but in essence, I think it's exactly what you were saying, that actually within growing, and this is, I guess this is if you're doing a market garden, if you're doing a production horticulture, or you're into sort of the media around Mm. horticulture as you say it is quite a small world in a way yeah. you never know when you're going to need people's advice yeah. and help exactly and you and you can't assume you know you you can't assume you know what next year will look like or two years time and also don't be afraid to pivot and change as well and i know i know that's not easy for everyone we're not all good at change but kind of I quite like when things change and evolve because it then gives me a new opportunity. It gives me something new to learn. It gives me an extra kind of string in my bow as well. Um, and I guess one final thing is kind of do something that is true to yourself. You know, if you've got a yes. passion for herbs, then you're probably not going to want to open a tree nursery, you know, kind of because then do the thing that is passionate, that you're passionate, because then it will come across so much truer and it will actually be easier as well. You know, 
I stand up and talk about weird and wacky plants because that's what I'm interested in. I can't stand up and talk about how to prune roses because this is not at all in my skill set. So if I was going to do that, I would be I would screw up because I can't do something that is really natural to you. And just, I think, be humble as well. And a lot of people, I would say, and you see this obviously in the celeb world, don't believe, don't be too quick to believe your own hype as well, you know, and don't act like a diva too prematurely. You know, there's a point in the future when you'll be able to ask for something and you'll get it. And this will be kind of you'll feel like you deserve that. But a lot of people ask for that too early. And that is sometimes where they go wrong. Just kind of, you know, go go easy and just kind of feel the ground a lot more. People kind of, um, yeah, I don't know, get ahead of themselves too much, I think. And actually within what we're doing within Food Grower Academy, we've set up like um, like a discord channel. Where uh-huh. all the community members can ask each other, and bear in mind, some of these community members are, you know, commercial growers. Mm. Others are literally people who are growing on a windowsill, mm-hmm. and it's so interesting. It's that humble kind of aspect that really yeah. gets people places and gets the most yeah. out of the industry. Oh, definitely, and just sharing. Like sharing is a lovely feeling, you know. Sharing and empowering through sharing as well is fab. Definitely, and you know, I was talking to a a young couple who they've started growing in Northern Ireland really mm. recently mm. and they are absolutely smashing it by the way. They're really doing a great mm. job. And I guess it's back to that positive aspect that obviously Brexit has caused problems in terms of supply of plants, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but they're in a weird way, you know, they've pivoted and they're actually trying to make the best of it, realizing yeah. that they've got an, op- an opportunity. Yeah. I think it's really easy. And I think maybe the pandemic pushed a lot of people into pivoting a lot of different businesses in a way they probably would have been scared to previously. So I I can't help but see the pand- pandemic as wholly a good thing for a lot of different movement, you know, obviously putting aside anything to do with the actual, you know, disease. But yeah, I would say there's a lot of positive shifts in how companies then were uh, structuring themselves, I guess. So yeah, and I guess it can be scary to just pivot when you're kind of, you know, there's nothing pushing you to pivot as well. But you know, Looking at things through different eyes is always helpful. And sometimes, like, it seems really basic, but sometimes you need to get out of your environment to do that sometimes. Yeah. So even like even like a little trip, you know, maybe even a day trip somewhere or or a trip to somewhere out of your comfort zone, somewhere you don't know. Like you, people like underestimate this, but how that really feeds your creativity is pretty cool actually. Yeah, so I wouldn't underestimate that. Maybe that's something within growing that actually, I suppose within growing you're used to having a base somewhere. And it's so yeah, good to yeah. actually leave that base. Yeah, I guess it is to a degree, but like maybe it's that you're visiting another grower who's then going to give you a little bit of input or maybe getting involved with one of the organizations that kind of are a bit more industry level. So then you get to visit kind of something behind the scenes that gives you input or sees you see kind of how the other side is or maybe even something where you kind of more exposed to your consumers. This is why it's great to get to real like for me to get to grassroots level to talk to consumers like when I'm doing a weird and wacky plant show you then you get to know what they're really talking about what they're really thinking because unless you ask them you you don't know because Sometimes the problem is that some of these events, we talk about how to bring young people into horticulture. I know this is a new tangent, but like, and we're, we're in this room and we're, we're all probably over 30 years old talking about how to get young people into horticulture. Why don't we bring one into the room? Yeah. <laughs> these young people, you know, they're not so mythical. So yeah, I think people forget that sometimes kind of like, 
and talk to a range of different people from different backgrounds and that really opens up your mind as well so get get a few plant daddies and plant yeah. mommies and exactly the whole Even spectrum <laughs> i think that really comes across in um i mean i haven't actually got my hands on your book yet yeah. Um, oh my God, the shame. Uh, no, th- th- <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm 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 proper ex- properly excited about it. I mean, for those people who literally don't know what I'm talking about, how would you describe your book? How would I describe my book? Well, I'll show it to you. Um, <laughs> it's bright pink, so if you're gonna see this in a in a bookshop, you you won't miss it. So uh, it's Kindersley, which was kind of like. <laughs> almost like my dream because you know when you're a kid and you buy these Dorling Kindersley books where everything's on a white background and I spent hours poring over these books I love them yeah so it's great to be working with them obviously following a lot of their guidance they said why not do it pink why not have a more phallus on the front so I think that's another thing that is a good thing to learn the fact that when you are working with experts or kind of like you've got a big opportunity like maybe you're doing tv or you are writing a book sometimes you have to let a little bit you have to open yourself up a little bit. Some like I could easily have like tried to dictate everything about how this book looks because of my dream of how it looks. But I'm working with a publisher that sells books worldwide every day, millions and millions. So I needed to kind of, you know, bow to their expertise. And some people might not have done that. And that is another obstacle you have to be aware of with this sort of stuff. But um, yeah, back to the book. So it's Hortus Curious. So it's weird and wacky plants and fungi and to be honest, they really gave me a lot of freedom to write it in my own style. And it's very conversational. Uh, a couple of reviews actually bulked a bit how like sentences might start with the word okay, which is apparently not good grammar, but <laughs> it's a conversational book. And so I'm really honored that they let that come across. Hey, there's a good one for the growers. There's your egg and chips plant. Aubergines on the top, potatoes on the bottom. I love it. Well, for those people who are listening to this, we are going to totally share some of the some of these images from the book on our socials because it looks so bloody cool. It really uh-huh. does. Um, Michael, I'm going to put you under a bit of pressure right now. That's cool. Because we end every single podcast with what we call the quick fire questions. Yes. Are you scared? No, I'm never scared. I got Good. a quick mind. Two Let- hours of QVC every weekend mate, gives you gives you quick mind. You know. Right. Let- <laughs> Let's, ab- <laughs> let's absolutely go for it, right? I'm going to give you a tougher time than QVC. <laughs> so without any further ado, what is your favourite veg? Uh, fennel. Ooh. Purple. <laughs> Ooh. Not going to tell me it's a fruit, are you? <laughs> no, do you know something? That isn't one that's come up before. Really? I yeah. Yeah. Okay. I tell you what, just a shaved fennel salad with lemon, olive oil and salmon, smoked salmon on top is just bliss. Yeah. Well, it is lunchtime. I could do with one of those. Yeah. Or roasted as well. Lovely. Yep. What What is your favorite tool to use in the garden or allotment? Uh, probably just a trowel, because to be honest, I kind of, <laughs> I'm doing most of the digging. Like, you, you know, you end up starting with a tool, but you end up using your hands anyway. Yeah. So, like a trowel is the easiest thing to just have by your side rather than something a bit bigger, like a spade. So yeah, like my trowel or my hands. <laughs> it's so true. It's so yeah. true. And uh, what would be your favorite garden hack? Uh, I think not quite a hack, but like don't overwater your houseplants and your plants, because I think more people overwater their plants than underwater. And it is so much easier to revive a plant that is 
underwatered than one that is overwatered. And they will both so wilt true. and flag in exactly the same way, but it's so much better to kind of give little and often and just keep that regulated or water from below is better as well. But I have to say, I'm so embarrassing, so embarrassing in front of my partner because I got this houseplant that completely died because I overwatered it. I think it's a Sparmania Africana and I was so excited about having one. And I was like, oh, it's gonna grow quicker if I give it more water. And I didn't realize like how much was already in the bottom and the whole thing like wilted away with like too oh, much water. No. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> and it's back to a stick. I think it will grow again, but it's just like, oh, I made the one big mistake. But do you know what? This is another thing to add to our kind of like coaching session. Don't be afraid to learn from your mistakes because sometimes yep. You don't learn until you make a mistake, you know? Yep. That's the only way you can learn sometimes, as sad as it sounds. So don't be afraid when you do make one. Yeah. So true. Um, is there a veg that you hate that everyone else loves? Uh, I've always been a big fan of broad beans. A lot of people find those a little bit um, objection, objectionable. <laughs> and is the one that you dislike that everybody else in the world really, really loves? I've never been a fan of potatoes. I really, I don't like kind of fluffy potatoes, kind of yeah. fluffy potatoes are not my thing. Um, in my later years now, I'm kind of more familiar with Polish cuisine. I will have them if they've got dill and butter in, but like ones like my grandma used to do kind of English style kind of, oh my God, I, I couldn't even swallow them. I wanted to vomit. <laughs> it's just horrible. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think potatoes are yeah, but you know. <laughs> a little bit overrated, maybe. Yeah, 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 definitely. And just so fluffy and weird. Yeah. <laughs> and the very last question. Yeah. That, and this is the one. This is the decider. It's all to play for. Yeah. As you look out across your um, your garden empire, yeah. it your front garden, your allotment, whatever, yeah. do you prefer an early morning coffee? Or an evening glass of wine slash beer? Oh God, I think early morning is much nicer. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. And I'm very much, um, I'm someone like, I I sometimes start my day too soon. I'm kind of yeah, like, I'll do that. and I'm already sort of working on stuff. So it's it's kind of like, as much as you feel like, oh, is that really going to work? It, can, it does slow you down. And it makes you kind of like soften into the day a bit more. So yeah, first, yeah. first thing of the day. Well, <laughs> I'm definitely with you on that. Michael, I just want to say, Thank you so much for giving us your time because... Oh, my God, no worries. <laughs> honestly, I know people will love listening to this. And I think some of the advice that you gave there is going to be so helpful okay. to people. No, that's cool. It's really nice to be able to help people in that way, kind of, you know, from just my own experience and my own mistakes as well, you know, and it kind of does help you grow and learn. But I have to say, you know, this has been a really good interview. And like, personally, you have really good interviewing skills because you're asking really nice, concise questions and you're really giving the interviewee space to answer as well. I'd say you're much better than me and Ellen. <laughs> well, that was going to be really my... good, dude, I have to say. Really that was going to be my cheeky next question because <laughs> uh, you've come on our podcast. Yeah. At some point, can Food Grower Academy appear on yours? Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, you could be a, a herb contributor, actually. That could be an idea. Well, Let me have a word with Ellen. She's on my next Zoom. <laughs> regular listeners. We'll, yeah. we'll know that I will do absolutely anything. Oh, so yeah. pressure's there now, time. and of course it's out. And Chris is not going to edit this out because you'll be devoid of sleep. And so, yeah, there we go. <laughs> you're in. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for your time. Oh, no worries at all. Thank you very much Sweet. for asking me to be here. Thank you so much.
This podcast is brought to you free by the Food Grower Academy. If you want to make your food growing easier, head over to academy.foodgrower.co.uk.